seated. Good morning. We want to welcome you to First Baptist Church. Um, today we are going to be recognizing our graduates in the uh, 11 o'clock service, but we are so glad that you've come to worship with us. And I just want to remind you there's a little bulletin insert about Vacation Bible School, and take a look at that and see if you can plug in in one of those areas that we still need some help, especially um, bringing uh, tasty treats for all the volunteers. Uh, Carolyn Branch and a group of ladies head that up, and so that's just a, a nice little break for them as they go into the hospitality room. Uh, we're going to ask if everyone would just fill out the little flap for us, just put your name and if there's any changes in your address, and then also if you're a visitor, if you would go ahead and complete that for us so that we'd have a record of your visit and get some more information to you. So First Baptist, if you stand and greet one another and just look for visitors around you. God of this city, you're 
Sing your song again. Whatever 
Would you pray with me, please? Father, this morning we just lift you up and we worship your holy name, for you are holy. And we thank you, Lord, for all of your blessings that you've given us throughout our lifetime. Father, you've loved us. You've given us things in all aspects of our life. And you gave us the greatest gift that the world has ever known in Jesus Christ, who came to atone for our sins. And Father, as we think of these blessings and gifts that you've given us, help us to remember that you were, your word tells us to give back a portion of those to you. And right now, as we receive this offering, we ask that you would take these gifts and tithes and offerings, use them for your kingdom, not only here in Tifton, Lord, but around the world, that the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ will be spread to all lands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See my sin. 
So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together. guys. How are you this morning? I've got to be honest, you're looking kind of tired. This has been a long week. You know, no matter what kind of week you've had, we come in church, this is called the first day of the week, to prepare for the week to come. And when you're in here worshiping God, there is a, an energy and an enthusiasm and an excitement that comes Oh, just with that act of worship, and no matter where you've been or what you've done or what you've experienced, we can come in here today and find that love for God that motivates us to serve and follow him. <clears throat> I just want to start out with prayer. Let's, let's begin right now. Father, it's early on the first day of the week, not dawn, but almost when like the women who went to the tomb and found it empty and returned announcing with excitement that Jesus was not there, was nowhere to be found. Father, help us to enter this act of worship this morning with that same passion and that same energy and that same enthusiasm, realizing that you're our source, you're our life, you are everything to us. And we can begin now praising you, and then when 10,000 years pass in eternity, we will have just begun. So hear our words and thoughts and prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I feel the need to be honest with you this morning. I'm not going to say this in the 11 o'clock service, so don't tell them. But uh, we returned from Disney World last night about 8 o'clock and uh, had, had a wonderful time. We were there all week. It was our vacation. And so I'm a little weary this morning, too. But, but one thing that I noticed um, about Disney World, and if you go there, you'll hear this message repeated over and over and over again. And I'm not sure it came from Walt, but it, it, it certainly is being propagated by the Disney Corporation now, is that um, anything you dream, anything you can imagine, anything you desire, you can make happen from within. You have within you, you hear this over and over again, the power to, uh, to be and become and imagine and dream anything. Now, I love Disney World. Anybody who knows me can tell you that. But, uh, but one thing I struggle with is, is this issue of having the power within you to be and become anything. I, you see, I don't think, I don't believe that. 
I believe that God has to be the one in us, giving us the power, empowering us, driving us, encouraging us to be who he created us to be. And apart from him, you can't do anything. I don't care how great your imagination is. I don't care how, how wonderful your energy or your drive or your passion is. Those Imagineers, as they call them at, at Disney, you know, can dream up some wonderful things. But I don't believe what they spout about you have the power within you. Because I don't think apart from God, any of us really do. And that kind of brings me to what I want to talk about. This is our baccalaureate service today. It's uh, kind of halfway in between Tift area and Tift County graduation for high school seniors. We're going to be recognizing them in our 11 o'clock service with a special commissioning service. We've never done a commissioning service for high school seniors before. But we really believe that when they graduate from high school, it's called commencement for a reason. It's called commencement because they are commencing their lives. They are beginning that for which they were created. They are, they are launching out and doing something new. And we believe that as Christians who've been raised in the church and who, who know the gospel message, we believe that we ought to be commissioning them as missionaries, going out and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that is struggling to find truth and struggling to find the power to be who God created them to be. And I'm going back to the Gospel of Matthew this morning, chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. I know I'm not supposed to be skipping around in books of the Bible, but I've just got to go back to Matthew, um, to this, this call that Jesus placed on the first four disciples. It's not a, it's not a dramatic call. It's not a, a very clear call. It's not a call to, to do anything specifically other than just follow him. And that's the focus of, of what I want to say this morning to you. And, it's, you know, to high school graduates, yes, but to anybody who is at a crossroads in their lives. And I don't know where you are in life, and it, it doesn't really matter where you are, because wherever you are, you can hear this call from God new today. Follow me, Jesus says in Matthew 4, starting with verse 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, so Simon and Peter, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What in the world did that mean? You know, we understand it today because we have a context. We've read this and, and can kind of look back in retrospect and figure out what Jesus is trying to say. But what did it mean to Simon and Peter? At that time, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Does that mean we're going to cast a net and draw men? You know, what does that mean we're going to be? Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. They didn't talk about it. They didn't debate. They just dropped everything they were doing. Their past, their background, their families. And followed Jesus. And going on from there, he saw two older, two other brothers... James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. So they're still in the boat, probably at the shore, 
mending their nets as they do at the end of the day before they go out the next morning and start fishing. When you go out in the morning, you don't want to be mending your nets, wasting your time doing that. You do that in the evening. So when, so when the sun comes up, you can have a full day fishing. Mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So Simon and Andrew, Peter and Andrew left their net James and John left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. And all he said to them was, follow me. What does Jesus have to say to us to get our attention, to draw us in, to make us desire, to drop everything? Our livelihood, our occupation, our family, our future. Leave all that behind and follow him. What does he have to say? Let's bow together. Father, as we come to you today to consider our lives and where we are in that, in that pilgrimage from hearing your call and responding to it or maybe standing on the threshold, a, a crossroads, a change in life, maybe a graduation, maybe a, a marriage this summer, marry, maybe a, something else coming up. Um, and wondering where we are to go and what we are to do, or, or maybe we're already down the path and, and we've been following you, or maybe we've gotten off the path and have started following our own desires and our own hopes and passions and dreams and have neglected our relationship with you, no matter where we are in that spectrum. Help us to hear again your call to drop everything and follow you knowing that when we follow, that you're with us and you give us a message to proclaim to those that need desperately to hear it. Because we look around our world and we see people doing crazy things, espousing silly beliefs And holding to it so desperately because they seem to have nothing else of substance to rely on. Help us offer the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus our Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. So these two words are the only things Jesus said to Peter and Andrew and James and John. He says to Peter and Andrew a little bit more, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And to James and John, he called them. He probably said something similar. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Put your net down, leave your father, let's go. And, and, and they just dropped everything. To this man who was a stranger, I don't know, maybe they had heard of him, maybe... He's just beginning his ministry, so whatever they heard had been fairly short-term, and yet they were willing to leave everything behind, their occupation, their livelihood, their families, and follow Jesus. These words in themselves were not that spectacular. I mean, let's face it, if you wanted to draw a crowd, if you wanted to go to, to Madison Avenue and come up with a promotional campaign to attract as many people as possible, nobody on that committee would come up with the words, follow me. This would not be 
your most dramatic attention-grabbing drive to bring people to Jesus. But these are the words, these are the very words that Jesus spoke to some fishermen. I started to say random fishermen, but I don't believe they were random. I believe that Jesus selected these four men initially for a specific reason. Jesus doesn't do anything at random. He calls everybody. He calls here Peter and Andrew and James and John, follow me, and we're going to do something else. All your lives you have known fishing. You've been raised as fishermen. You've lived here by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. This is how you've made your living. This is how your parents raised you. This is what you were taught to do. And yet here we're going to go and we're going to do something entirely different. And they dropped everything immediately. They didn't vacillate. They didn't go home and discuss it. They didn't ask anybody's permission. They just dropped it and followed him. These words aren't very specific. Now, I don't know what you're like, but I need to know details. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How are we going to eat? Where, where are we going to live? You know, I, I, I like to have things pretty well figured out before I try to do something. But Jesus didn't give them any details. He didn't, didn't give them very many specifics. But he just said, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I guess my challenge to you today is, if you're going to devote your life to something, listen to me, if you're going to give your life to something, make sure it is something that is worthwhile. Make sure it is something that is meaningful. Make sure it is something that, that lasts Longer than a few years. Longer than a few years. Catherine was telling me, we were talking about graduation, and, and uh, I said, it's been a week, you know, since you graduated. What, have you had a chance to think about a process? And she said, no, Dad, I, I'm really just kind of in a daze. It's just kind of, you know, sliding by, and it really doesn't make sense. She said, but I will tell you something a professor said. He said, he asked, how many of you Know the names of your grandparents. How many of you know the names? You tell me. How many of you know the names of your grandparents? How many of you know the names of your great-grandparents? Oh, about a third. How many of you, you're making this difficult, know the names of your great-great-grandparents? I see about half a dozen hands. The point he was making is, do you realize in one or two or at the most three generations, you'll be forgotten. Will your great, great, great grandchildren even know your names? Maybe not. The point is, are you doing something that will outlive you? Are you doing something that's going to be worthwhile that's going to make a difference in eternity. And she's been thinking about that. And chances are high school graduates are thinking about that. And maybe a lot of us need to be too. Our desire, in the uh, you'll notice in your order of worship, is to have, as I mentioned, a commissioning service for our high school graduates. 
We're not just graduating. We aren't just patting them on the back. We are sending them out as missionaries. We are sending them out to hear and respond to the words of Jesus. And he says, follow me. And whereas he said those specific words initially to Peter and Andrew and James and John, I believe in a general sense he says those words to all of us. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, and you say, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a full-time minister. Well, that doesn't matter. You don't have to be, I, I, you don't have to be a full-time minister because you're all ministers. You know, I started to say you don't have to have a ministry, but you all have ministries. We, are, we believe that all of us are priests. It's called the priesthood of the believer in the Baptist church. All of us are ministers. All of us have ministries. God doesn't, it doesn't matter what your occupation is. If you're a, a teacher, a, a lawyer, a banker, it doesn't matter, an insurance salesman. You can be anything and still be a minister, still have a ministry in your particular location, and still respond to these words of Jesus, follow me, follow me, wherever you do, what you do, Monday through Friday. If you're retired, follow me, whatever, whatever profession you're in, you can be a minister and you can follow the words of Jesus and be responsive to him. So you can go anywhere, you can do anything. If you're at the crossroads this morning, let me tell you why you need to follow Jesus. The first reason is because he is life. He is life. Jesus said, I am the way, John 14, 6. What? I am the way and the truth. What? And the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That verse, if you really think about it, it's staggering. Jesus doesn't say, this is the way. Let me tell you what the truth is. Let me point you to life. Jesus says, I am that. I am the way. Follow me. I am the truth. Listen to me. I am the life. Share in me. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, that, that which was dead, that which was dying. In Jesus you have life, and if you're apart from Jesus, I don't care if you're breathing and eating and sleeping. I don't care what else you're doing. If you don't have Jesus, you're not alive. You are not alive apart from Jesus Christ. You are just existing. Because Jesus said, I am the life. And that means apart from him, there is no life. But in Jesus, there is. There'll be a lot of things in life that seek to be your master. And there have been a lot of uh, uh, leaders in the world that have sought to enslave people, a lot of things, a lot of ideas that will take possession of you. They will own you if you allow them. But Jesus is the only leader who leads through servanthood. He is the only leader who leads through servanthood. He is our master. He is our Lord. But he still has a servant's heart and his only motive is love. So if you want life, 
You can only find that life in, in connection with Jesus Christ. Secondly, not only is Jesus life, but Jesus is also light. Jesus is light. In John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now, I think he's speaking more figuratively uh, instead of uh, physically or literally. Light, what does light do? Light helps you see. Light provides direction. Light gives life purpose. Light brings things into clarity. I learned that this past week. I was trying to read a menu in in a dark restaurant. I couldn't read it. Catherine said, give it to me, and she read it to me. You know, as your eyes dim with the passing of years, it comes more and more difficult to see in dark light, in dim light. But Jesus is light that helps you to see. It brings things into focus. It brings things into clarity. And it gives life purpose. Whatever light does, you know, darkness is frightening. But with light, you can see. And Jesus says, I am the light. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. A man who was successful but a little discouraged with life said, I know where all the dead-end streets go. I'm looking for the one road that will actually lead me somewhere. You know, you can go through life and find a lot of dead-end streets. But there's one road that will actually go somewhere. And Jesus is like a beacon shining that light. And it's like a lantern holding out in front of you saying, follow me. Follow me. And to the extent that you do that, that light will precede you and your steps will be made clear. But when you get off that path and you wonder, why am I stumbling? Why am I hitting obstacles? Because there's one light and there's one path that Jesus has for you. And when you vary from that light, when you deviate from that light, you, there's going to be, there are going to be all kinds of obstacles and things that you can't see that will trip you up and cause you to stumble. Jesus says, I am the light. It's like the little girl who, who asked the question, Mama, where was God? What was he doing last night during the storm? And then after a few minutes, she replied, Oh, I know. He was busy making the morning. Where was God last night during the storm? He was busy making the morning. Only God can make a morning. Only God can bring light. Jesus said, I am the light. And he can shine it in the midst of darkness. And along with life and light, the third thing that I want to say about following Jesus is that he'll be with you. He is here. Matthew 28, 20, the close of the Great Commission. And lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age, or even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you nor forsake you. When Jesus comes into our lives, he never, ever leaves. And I have people who come to me all the time and says, why don't I feel Jesus? Why, why does it seem like he's left me? And, and my reply is, don't, don't depend on your feelings. Don't rely on what things seem like. Place your faith in facts. 
And the facts are these, that he has said, I am with you. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the close of the age. The facts are these, never will I leave you nor forsake you. The fact is that Jesus has not left you. Satan will try to confuse you and, and manipulate the situation so that it seems like, so that it feels like Jesus is not there, but he has promised us never to leave, and he never will. I don't know where you are now. I don't know what you're facing today or what you may be facing tomorrow, but I can assure you of this. There will be times when you feel all alone. There will be times when it seems like God is absent and that all you hear is bad news and all you can imagine in the future is more bad news. But the good news is this. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there. I read a story about a cult group that woke up one morning and found out their leader had absconded with the cash. What a shock. You know, you, this leader comes up and he builds a cult and he tells them all kinds of trash and they buy into it because people out there are desperate to believe anything. You know, they'll donate everything they have and wait all of a sudden, bam, he's gone. Jesus is not like that. He will never leave you without a comforter. Now, it's true that he ascended into heaven, but it's also true that when he did that, his Holy Spirit came to be with us, and it's also true that the one who left the cross as a sign of his commitment to us and pledged that he would be coming back again soon, he is coming back. And that's his promise. That is his down payment. I will be back. You can count on that. You can depend on that. I will not leave you comfortless, says Jesus. So he is here. He is life. He is light. He is here. And he said, follow me. Three good reasons why you should follow Jesus wherever you are in life. He's life. He's light. He's here. He wants to be your traveling companion. He wants to be with you wherever you are, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing. He is all you'll ever need. You can depend on him. You can count on him. And he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Whatever else you're doing, you can be fishing for men, which is telling them about Jesus and drawing them in like a net, drawing them in to the cross. And when you respond to him like that, you'll have all you need. Let's bow together. Father, as we come today, we know that there are folks at the crossroads. Some of them are high school graduates. Some are college graduates. Some are are in midlife and they're in some crisis and they're wondering what direction to go in and what they should listen to and, and whom they should obey. But there's one person whose voice rises above all the others, the cacophony that would distract us and pull us off course, saying, believe this, do that, trust this, go here. There's only one person who, who says, follow me. Just follow me. And in that relationship, 
all things become clear. And we realize that though life is short, it can be meaningful. And though we may soon be forgotten by those who live upon the face of the earth, our eternity in heaven is secure. And our faithfulness to you will have reward. And all whom we, with whom we share the gospel and say, follow him, will one day be with us. So, Father, help us to live our lives in the, in the one pursuit that will outlive us. And that's our response to the call. Follow me. Help us be faithful fishermen. We may not know how to bait a hook or draw a net. But we do know how to lift up Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you promised if we do that, you'll be the one who will draw all men unto yourself. So we lift that cross up high today and allow you.